0: Of the Knoll Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Carter Carls. It's Wednesday, October 12th. We are three days away from Florida State kicking off its most important game of the season. A game against Clemson, number four team in the country at Doe Campbell Stadium. 7.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday. Can be watched on ABC. And uh, we wanted to have a special guest for you guys today. And we thought no one would uh, really be better to talk about FSU and Clemson than Eric McLean. He is a uh, former Clemson captain. He's a current college football analyst for ACC Network. I spoke with him Monday, and so uh, you'll be able to hear his interview before uh, Essen and I break down a little bit more about FSU-Clemson and the NC State game last Saturday. So without further ado, here is Eric McLean. Okay, we're now joined by Eric McLean with ACC Network. He is a former uh, Clemson offensive lineman, former captain for the Tigers. Thought it'd be great to have him on this week for Florida State, uh, Clemson. Uh, Eric, before we get started, man, you, we were just talking. You're you're a new dad. How's that? Li- how's that life treating you?
1: Yeah, come on, man. It, it's been really cool. It's been really cool. There, there's certainly been uh, some luck involved. She's sleeping really well. She's eating very well. Uh, but just to, to watch her grow and to change each and every day has, has been so much fun. And we actually, uh, probably TMI, but we, we had a little appointment this morning. And just to see how much she's grown already, like the two-week appointment, uh, you know, height and weight, it's just, it's crazy. It's very cool. And it's, it's been a ton of fun.
0: Awesome stuff. Well, uh, now to the non-important stuff. Uh, Florida State, um, coming off a, a crazy game, uh, I was there in Raleigh uh, to watch it at Carter-Finley Stadium, which, uh, man, it's like a house of horrors for FSU. They just can't seem to to get it right there. And 17-3 lead that, that they end up blowing. What did you think of it when, when you were watching that game, and, and what's your kind of key takeaway?
1: Yeah, really. I mean, it, it, just the fact of how you know it was a tale of two halves, and, and you know Florida State came out swinging and, and looked really good. They could run it, whatever they wanted to do, um, and then you know defensively causing so many different problems. You know for NC State for Devin Leary and and those guys couldn't get anything going, and so we're sitting here like that gum. You know Florida State's about to run away with this thing, um, and then, and then halftime happened. And, and, you know, NC State came out of that locker room and it felt like just the, the team switched helmets there or something. And, and the guys, you know, just, just came out looking really confident, played at a very high level. Um, and, and defensively for NC State, which opposingly offensively for, for Florida State, I just thought they, they just didn't look right, FSU, just couldn't get it going. Guys on different pages, you saw a couple of picks, you know, from Jordan Travis, which has been very rare, you know, this year, having only thrown one you know, before that game and just the way that it happened and, and, you know, guys on different pages, one maybe was, was a silly decision, maybe a little bit of a force, but, you know, the second one and to, to kind of, you know, in the game, they're going for a touchdown FSU to, to win it. And, you know, Michael Pittman's running like some type of deep curl or, or comeback And, you know, Jordan Travis is throwing like a spray fade and just two guys completely, you know, on different pages. And I think that kind of summed up the entire second half there. And, and so it, it was a weird ending, um, you know, two losses back-to-back for the Noles. I know that hurts, but, you know, I, I just have to think with the culture that's in place, the identity that's in place, these guys are, are going to step up and certainly be ready for this game because this is a this is a big one this Saturday.
0: Yeah, you know, watching Florida State this year, I, th- I think everyone has undeniably come away with the take that there is progress here. This team looks yes. better than where they've been. But you've also seen these moments of, like, it's almost like the old Florida State team comes out you you see them come out against LSU and they're killing it and then and then they're, they're kind of giving up a lot of stuff at the end and then Wake Forest they've got all these penalties and 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 uh just kind of self-inflicted errors is probably the best way to put it so where do you feel like that may come from that some of these moments where that old Florida State kind of shows up is, is that just a this team still trying to handle success and still trying to kind of learn what it is to win and close games or, you know, is it coaching? What, what kind of is that?
1: Yeah, no, I I think it's certainly, it's a process to, you know, understand and learn how, how to win. Right. And and I think that, that actually coach Bowden said it, you know, way back in the day is that, you know, kind of the the circle of, you know, becoming a great, great team is, you get blown out, you know, a year, or a couple of years, then you start losing, you know, close games and you start winning tight games. And then, you know, you start blowing people out. And, and so really, you know, Florida state right now is in between that losing close games and winning close games. And, and this transition that, you know, they're trying to take that next step forward, you know, to, to ultimately getting back to where they were just such a dominant force, you know, in college football, not just the ACC. And, you know, so I, I think with that, you know, it's, it's, it's easier for for us as players, myself being a former player, to you know revert back to, to maybe some old habits when adversity hits, and and you know when your back's against the wall, that maybe you know you, you kind of forget all the the progress that you made, and maybe there's an extra shove, or maybe you know th- there's an undisciplined play that sneaks in there, and you, you've really seen that these last couple of games here that ultimately led to you know Florida State losing those football games.
0: Yeah, and um, I, I guess. Just kind of going back to that decision, that that play at the end of the game. You know, I think FSU fans, it's kind of hindsight's twenty twenty, right? I mean, your kicker is not performing super well at the time. He didn't make the forty-seven yarder earlier in the game, but yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like you you want to go for it, but maybe you don't want to get your five foot nine smaller receiver out in that kind of situation, but. It might just be a matter of what the quarterback, you know, make it, making a uh, mistake or making the wrong lead. It could be the receiver. It just seemed like there was a combination of things that, that could have gone into that. But I'm wondering from your perspective, maybe – I don't want to say like blame, but where do you kind of put that on? Where do you feel like maybe things should have gone differently? Yeah,
1: you know what was fascinating to me was that the, the – young man the kicker did make a 47 yarder in the game like I think if that didn't happen or if he missed then everything that we saw is logical and reasonable but he did make it and he was probably confident and feeling really good and so to me it was just this weird approach how the announcers twitter everybody's like even after the game the young man that had the interception he said we knew they weren't kicking a field goal like everybody <laughs> knew Florida State wasn't kicking it. Yeah. and so to me it was just like this is so strange get in good field position kicking it in and let's go win an overtime and so you know obviously those guys are, you know have been scarred by the misses and you know felt like their best chance was with Jordan Travis and, and moving the football and and scoring a touchdown uh and and I just think at the end of the day if if that young man wasn't confident already now, not even giving him that situation. I mean, he might be done for the year. I hope you don't need any kicks moving forward because <laughs> you know we, we're not going to that guy. And so, you know, it was a really strange deal. And then, of course, the 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 miscommunication on the throw and the interception, and, and even just like you said, the personnel throwing it to you know a five nine guy. Love Michael Pittman and, and think he's a heck of a player, but let's throw it to our guy that's six foot seven and can run and jump like a deer. Like that yeah. just makes more sense to me. And Johnny Wilson, and so. It, it, it was strange. I, I hated the way it ended just because it was kind of like, I don't know, it, it was this anticlimactic, oh, well, there's an overthrow and it's a pick and it's over, uh, but but opportunistic from NC State and a heck of a play. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, that that's why college football is so great because crazy, unpredictable things like that truly happen.
0: So one thing I want to ask you about is something they've talked about the last couple of weeks Uh, You know, Coach Norvell said this, that the players have said they felt like they were pressing at times. They felt like they lacked focus and that that's kind of been the reason for some of these, you know, struggles. Um, And then you look at Clemson this Saturday and they always have the target on their back now. The number four in the country, undefeated, number one in the ACC. From your experience playing for Clemson and just watching them throughout the years, it is do they usually get the best out of other teams is this one that you know it's kind of that team Super Bowl so that focus will be there and do you do you expect Florida State to come out and and kind of be you know play with that extra kind of uh I guess inspiration
1: yeah no, no I don't think there's any question about that man anytime that you're you know just one of those programs one of, one of those elite of the elite and, and Florida State dealt with that plenty in, in the 90s and early 2000s there where it doesn't matter who you're playing. They are, are. That's the biggest game on their schedule. They've had it circled. They've had it double circled. then you know, it's NFL tape. Those guys have to ball out individually to if they want to get to the next level. And and so, yeah, it, it's the biggest game on anybody's schedule. When right now in the ACC, when they see the Tigers coming to the town or going to their place, and so. You know, for FSU, and, and to, to to go back to the original statement that you made of you know, guys being a little distracted or, or this and that, that should not even be close to a factor in this game. That, that should be so far in the rearview mirror that you know you, you know exactly what you're getting into if you're an offensive lineman for FSU. This is the tape you get drafted on. How do you perform against one of the best defensive lines in the country? If, if you're that secondary, Jamie Robinson and and uh, Keem Den and and you know just some of those younger cats at at DB, um, that's where you make some noise. This this guy has two picks on the entire year. Go get it, you know. Go go make it happen and, and shut down you know some of those big tall wide receivers. And so for me, man, yeah, no question. That this is a game that it, it just means a little bit more. On top of this is you know, one of those, I guess, rivalry games that, man, people just get excited for. And, and and two heavy brands in this conference that, you know, at their peak, you know, ran the ACC. I, I think the last – I think it's 10 out of the last 11 winners of this game have won the ACC championship. And, and so Florida State seems to be getting back to doing their part of that. Um, but certainly a, a high-stakes game in Tallahassee where – you know, Clemson's looking to win for the third straight time in Tallahassee. I think that's the first ACC ever to do that, if they can accomplish that feat. So something that's never been done before.
0: Yeah, and when you look at this game, uh, I, I guess maybe what, what initially stands out to you, storylines, matchup-wise, what are kind of the big things that, that stand out to you?
1: Yeah, I, I think no question the, the running attack from FSU that has – you know, you, you look at the last couple of games, Wake Forest, you know, not that they found the secret sauce, but were able to limit those guys and, and the things that, you know, they were really able to do to prevent, you know, NC State from running the football the, the way that they would want to. And I think when you look at, you know, the other guys and, and you know, the, the with uh, Ward getting hurt and now not having that true three-headed monster that they won – Benson stepping up tola feely stepping up is jordan travis gonna have to run the football that we hadn't seen really all year until that nc state game and you know obviously a big bulky run there 74 75 yards whatever it was to kind of add to that total but where does where does that factor in because nobody runs on clemson like these guys have been so good at stopping the run do you have that you know secret formula to get that going and if you don't What's the answer? You know, can, can, can Jordan sit back there and throw 40-plus passes if he needs to? I think the answer is yes to that. Now, it's, it's not great coming off the, the confidence game, throwing 50% and, you know, really not being able to get anything going in the second half like they were at NC State. But throw all that out of the window, I know that's going to be far behind him, and he's going to be locked into this one. On the other side, I think it's kind of what I alluded to, that FSU secondary, especially with, with Jamie and Keene, against D.J. Uyunglele and these receivers. You know, we, we've seen him and, and those receivers not be on the same page at times, and they certainly have played way better these last three, four games than they did to start the season. But how difficult can he make that? Can Jamie bait, you know, D.J. into throwing maybe some of those passes and, you know, getting those extra opportunities for his offense?
0: Now, b- before I ask you about DJ, because he, he's someone that really stands out to me, uh, just with how much he's improved. But uh, before we get into that, I want to ask you about that defensive line, because I think earlier today, Brian Brzee posted something on Instagram. I, I can't remember the caption, but you know that's how players announce that they're coming back now. They'll, they'll just put something on Instagram and say, oh, whoa, okay, I guess this guy's playing. Uh, and then Xavier Thomas coming back. Then you look at FS the FSU side of things and their their offensive line's getting healthier, but as you mentioned, TreShaun Ward may not be with FSU. He posted a picture today on Instagram uh, of him and what looked to be in a in a hospital bed. So um, obviously the run is a huge factor in the FSU's offense. But when you look at what Clemson's been able to accomplish this year, what is it that makes their run D just special and and what would having brzee and and thomas back do for them
1: yeah um you know first thing i want to address there is is the injury news like can we just get a uniform rule similar to the nfl not as detailed where we just know if if, are you playing or you are not playing as a guy heard what's the deal if if we have to go and scour instagram to find (laughs) injury news it's it's crazy it's crazy And, and that's You know, kids are leaking things that coaching staffs are probably like, what are you doing? Delete it, delete it. (laughs) Uh, So that's just nuts. And it's funny. I always think about that with we never know who the heck's going to play and who's not. But, you know, certainly looks like, you know, Brian and and X-Man are going to be back. And and that's huge for Clemson because when you look at Xavier Thomas, Tyler Davis, Brian Brzee, and Miles Murphy and and how great of players they are, they've only been together on the field for like 25 snaps in three years. That's crazy to me when you look at this injury and, and, you know, is this Florida State game, how many times will that happen? How many times will all those guys get to play and play together? And a little bit of a perfect storm for FSU, of course, with one of your best players being hurt uh, and, and Clemson getting healthy at the right time. So, you know, I think that when you when you look at those guys, it, it's a mismatch problem, you know, that they have gone into bear a lot this year where, what does that mean? It, it basically it means your, your offensive line is one-on-one, that you can't double team, there's no help, you have to beat your guy. And, and Clemson feels like they can beat anybody in the country when, when they do that. And so those one-on-one matchups really matter. The good thing for FSU is Jordan Travis is – Special. He's so elusive. He, he's a magician back there. You think you got him, then he's 30 yards downfield or he's extending a play and hitting his great wide receivers down the field and how explosive this offense has, has been this year. One of the best in, you know, the country, the best in the ACC, I think, in regards to offense and receiving core. And, and so it's going to be something that people need to pay attention to. Would not be surprised, you know, to see some max pro to, to leave some tight ends in or a bunch of quick game screen game.
0: DJU, I've gotta be honest. I when I'm a Texas guy, I was all in on the Cade Klubnick train. I was like, Man, this guy's gonna be amazing. It's only a matter of time before he comes into the game and, and you know, you saw the spring game, you saw what he did at the end of Georgia Tech. He was like, Man, this guy has it. And then here we are, you know, several weeks later and DJU is is just playing really well and, and looks like a totally different quarterback from last year. And I, I wonder what stands out to you about just maybe the improvements he made in this game?
1: Yeah. Well, I'll admit I was on that train too, especially after the, the Georgia tech game. And just, I mean, it's crazy, you know, for, for any fan listening to this, if you want to see just the, the, the magnitude of this transformation, go and watch Clemson versus Georgia tech and see how like last year, that game was, it truly looked like 2021 all over again for DJ. And then the next three games, he evolves into this amazing passer where he's dotting guys downfield forty yards like it's no problem. And and so you know, to me, man, just understanding, okay, the, the quarterback is the hardest position in, in all of sport, right? That you, you impact every single play, you, you control, you know, an entire game. And and so what's what's the most important factor of that? Confidence. And that young man has built it three, four, five games, six games now where he's feeling unbelievable he he's he's having that confidence guys are finally making place for him downfield he's throwing it up to his big tight ends his big re- receivers and they're coming down with it and, and so now you have more off more offense more confidence to, to throw it downfield even more on top of the run game I mean that him running the ball against Georgia Tech was terrible he averaged one yard a rush and he ran like 15 times since then he's averaging close to six and a half seven and, and it's just it's a totally different-looking guy, man. So the story, the, the storm that he went through to get here and, and to come out on the other side, one of the best players in the conference, soon I think to be one of the best players in the country as he keeps going, it, it, it's just amazing to watch. And, and so you, you got to give all the credit in the world to him, uh, but also his head coach, and Dabo Sweeney, who never wavered. I mean, we go back and watch interviews and read the, the press clippings where He said, DJ's our guy. He's always our guy. This guy does this, that, and this and that. And we might not have seen that because in the games a year ago, that wasn't quite the the deal. Or there were so many other factors. Now it's finally come to fruition. And got to give a lot of credit for him and and keeping his quarterback in a great spot mentally.
0: So one thing that stood out to me about Florida State and and Clemson, when I look at these two programs, just philosophically, they're both on the – total opposite spectrum in terms of the transfer portal with Florida state. They're like, gimme, let's get all the transfers (laughs) we can get almost every position. Their best player is a transfer. And then Clemson. I mean, I think they've started to show maybe a little bit more interest recently, but for the most part, uh, not much. And I think with both people have questions with, you know, Florida state, they, they say, you know, how is this sustainable? How do you build a roster with these short-term guys? You got to recruit in high school with Clemson. It's like, Hey man, why not get this quick fix? Like everyone's doing it. So why, why don't you do it? So I'm wondering how, how you've kind of seen both programs deal with that. And if you think that that is a sustainable model for both programs to do.
1: Yeah, you, you know what's fascinating about that is I remember after the the LSU championship game where, where Clemson got beat pretty handily at the, at the end of the game there and LSU, you're really separated. And that was a team, again, full of transfers and, and this new world. And, you know, Dabo so strongly against saying, you know, we're, we're just not going to do that. It's not what we do. You know, we build and we go get our guys and we develop. And I remember after that, everyone saying that it's over. Like, he's not going to adapt. They're never going to be back. They're not going to be this and that. And then I look this year and, and how well Clemson is playing, and I look across the board of how many young, impactful players are starting, not just playing, are starting. You have a true freshman at right tackle. You got a true freshman out at, at wide receiver. You have a true sophomore starting who started last year as a freshman at running back. Freshman and sophomore all throughout the defense. And they just know what they know, and they trust their eyes. They trust their development, and they'd rather do it from the start instead of having to go and get a guy who's been somewhere else four years. You have to reteach culture. You have to bring him in, change him to, to your program. They'd rather do it their way, and, and I think what's so fascinating about it is they haven't really missed a beat, and I know you could sit and point at last year maybe, but you know they won 10 straight games or 10 games for the 11th straight year and, you know, the sky was falling. So the culture and, and the the mindset, I think, at Clemson is just fine. On the Florida State side, obviously it's showing that it's working. You know, from those guys going from 0-4, you know, to start the season a year ago to now, you know, jumping off to one of their best starts that they've had since like 2016, 2015, they're doing it. The sustainability piece is interesting to me, Carter, just because you are having to put in – so much just, I guess, extra work because truly, when you bring in ten offensive linemen, five wide receivers, like you're, you're totally teaching those guys from scratch from day one. Instead of having all these older guys, kind of you know, bring on the the younger cats and, and how we really do things. But it's working. Keep going. Keep doing it. And, and until you know you get to a breaking point, I'm I'm sure there is a perfect world of you know we we want to hold about you know ten transfers, and then the others are going to be high school developmental guys, but. It's working for each program, and, uh, you know, I'm I'm not knocking either
0: one of them. Yeah. And and one other thing, piece to it with Clemson that just kind of fascinates me is when you look at um, – people are like, oh, recruiting rankings don't matter. But when you look at between 2002, that's when rivals, you know, started ranking recruits, to 2014, which is kind of like right before the Clemson run really began to happen – They did not have a sync. I think they had, no, I think they had one, uh, top 10 class that was in 2011, uh, which I believe that might've been, Oh, is that you? Yeah. Oh, it's you. Huh? Yeah, yeah, that, that, you were part of that, so.
1: That's right, come on, I forgot there was no video, I should have said that, let's go, baby. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, for the people not uh, watching, I guess that he he's pumping his fists in the air, because right. he's the only reason they were top 10, but. No, uh, no, no,
1: no, that was just a heck of a class, we we, we, we kind of all made a decision, man, to, to just get going, and I think it's fascinating to see your point, because after that, after, you know, I, I think it was, maybe 13 or 14 when things started to really change recruiting wise and, and Deshaun Watson and those guys and Clemson started shooting up the boards and you know the ironic piece is the the number one situation now they just had their first number one overall class I think it was 2020 and you know that was after the championship so you know, to me, it matters. It certainly does. When you have better players, certainly you need coaches to develop them. Uh, but but you look at the Alabamas, you look at the Georgias, you look at you know the Ohio States and Clemson's. Just with all these dudes, I mean, it's it's. I'm not saying winning is easy ever because it's not, but it's certainly easier
0: when you have those type of caliber athletes year in and year out. Right. So that that rise though to you essentially become an elite program without elite recruiting, essentially, right? Right. And does that just speak to hey, they had Deshaun Watson, they had Trevor Lawrence, and then obviously some other really good players around them, or what does that kinda of speak to that they were able to break in without having, you know, number three, number four, number two class, you know, back to back to back?
1: Yeah. Well, I think it, it kind of similar to what I said about the transfer portal. Like they they trust their eyes and, and they trust what they see. They go out and, and get those guys and develop. Them. I mean, I think you know a couple of the best examples of that uh, for, for recent memory. And, and you talk about impactful players in the NFL right now. Grady Jarrett was a two star. I, I think that that you know Clemson beat out like App State for Grady Jarrett, and who was a part of that eleven class with me. Hunter Renfro was. Not ranked. He, he didn't have a star to his name. And, you know, Clemson beat out like Coastal at the time, where Coastal was not good, you know, at football. And and so they take guys like that. And by the time they leave Clemson, there are these five stars. There's these amazing players that are drafted and making, you know, unbelievable amount of money and, and impact in the NFL right now. So I, I think it's that all, amazing combination of star power and talent. And then also the guys that, hey, I see something here, whether it's Bob type, side to winning program we can do something with it we can make this something by the time he leaves and and it's that that combination to me that we are seeing other people go transfer portal star power all these different things so Clemson has found it um you know that they're they're doing it at a very high level and that's why you see that on-field success it it starts with those players man
0: yeah and to FSU's credit a lot of these guys they're getting aren't Exactly sure things. I mean, certainly Tatum sure. Bethune, Jermaine Johnson, those guys, you knew they were pretty good. But Trey Benson had 22 career rushing yards. Johnny Wilson had less than 250 receiving yards in two years at Arizona State. Uh, they're getting guys that no one wanted, and and they're turning out to be really good players. So so got to give them them credit there. Uh, Eric, uh, before we let you go, one, wanted to just ask you to, to wrap up. I don't know if you can get into score predictions, being an AC network, but but give me your prediction about this game, and what do you think is in store for Clemson the rest of the season? And yeah, Florida man. State. You know
1: what I think is interesting. I hope you guys can can do some betting and some numbers. I was just looking at the line a little bit ago, and it was like minus four. I was a little bit shocked by that. I thought Clemson was was going to be a little bit more favored, especially FSU coming off of of back to back losses. There, Vegas always knows somehow, some way. Uh, so I, I think this is going to be a good game. I think that we're going to see FSU play their best game, uh, you know, just of the season because of the impact, because of what this game means, uh, because of that rivalry status of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do think Clemson gets the dub. I think that defense is, is going to be a little overwhelming at times. And, and maybe it's a similar to an NC State situation where, you know, it comes down to the last couple of possessions where, you know, Clemson really gets it done there uh, and, and ultimately wins the game. For me, man, it just DJ was the the last piece. He, he was kind of the golden ticket, if you will, for you know being back to business as usual for the Tigers and, and thinking that he was the you know the key to unlock the full potential of this team. He's probably surpassed what I thought he was going to do just strictly based off of a year ago. And and so with that being said, man, I think the Tigers roll. They get back to to Charlotte, win the ACC, and you know are back in the playoff for. You know
0: the seventh time in in eight seasons, which is is remarkable to see that. FSU, what what are you thinking? Win total wise I don't and like a lot of people were thinking. I mean, before the season, it was like, man, if they can just get six or seven wins, that'd be an accomplishment. And you have to remember that with with, you know after these two losses, like, okay, guys, four and two, still pretty (laughs) good. But what do you think? Are you thinking seven, eight wins? What how?
1: Yeah. I think, man, when you look at it, I think it's great what you just said there because it's so easy for a fan base, especially of team that is, you know, we're playing for championships, playing in national championships. And so the expectation is there. So when you start having that success, some of that mindset goes right back to that. And we're not there yet. We're not there. So you have to be grateful of, of where you are. The fact that this team should be, I think, will be. Back in the postseason, get that run starting going again. I certainly think you, you, you've got to beat Georgia Tech as good of a run they're on right now, and as inspired football that they're playing. Uh, I think Miami is is a, a, a dub. You know, I think they're playing with a really low self esteem right now. Not sure what they're doing. I know it's an away game. I think Syracuse will be a little tougher. I think you get Louisiana. I think you get Florida. You know, as surprising as that might be in recent history, FSU not being able to do that. So. I'm looking at this team winning close to eight games, maybe over if they handle business and get their thing going like they should. And, uh, you know, being in a, in a nice little bowl game to finish the season.
0: Well, Eric, uh, th- this has been great. Uh, 2011 class. How about it? That- <laughs> <That's
1: right>. <laughs> <laughs> hey. I appreciate you, man. This was a ton of fun. You bet. You have a good one.
0: Okay. Thanks again to Eric McLean for joining the show. Uh, really enjoyed that interview and now i'm joined by essen and and we're here to talk about nc state clemson uh, let's let's just start with nc state let's get the the bad news uh the bad part out of the way uh <laughs> essen uh just give me your overall takeaways from from that 19 to, 19 to 17 loss for fsu yeah i mean um let's first off let's start off
2: you know um we should not be throwing, you know, Mike Norvons like you know how fans did on Twitter after about you know his decision to go for it because if he kicked the field goal and um, Fitzgerald misses, they're going the opposite way, of, you know, railing him. So he was a no-win situation in that spot anyway. So
0: yeah, it was um, one of those games where pretty pretty much every take imaginable you could see from the fan base. I mean there 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 were people that. You know, we're saying, oh, before the year, if we told you that it's 1917 and 4-2, and two, he'd be happy. Then there was another section that was like, oh, this is an indictment on Orville, fire him, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was very extreme. Wake Forest was a little like that, too, but but this one even more so. Um, what I took away from the game, though, just from a, as objective as I could be with it, was I felt like... This is a team that's not quite ready for success. They've got all the pieces uh, to build towards something. Um, they still got a long, a long ways to go as far as building the depth and things like that. But in these big games, in these big moments, they they just they, as Norvell said, they they've they've pressed too much. They they kind of poop their pants a little bit. I mean, we saw it with Alex Machramano on that punt. Now, that's not saying that there hasn't been progress. Uh, a couple of years ago, they get blown out in a game like this. So it's trending, right? But the next step for this program is to not poop their pants.
2: Yeah, I mean, and, um, this was, you know, Louisville was their first true road game. LSU was a neutral site. Um, but neither of those teams are as good as NC State. NC State oh. is, one, a unique place to play. As you know, you were at the game, you know. The different place to play. It's unique. NC State is damn good. And Florida State, like, you know, we can talk about the LSU game, the Louisville game, they were both primetime games, you know, on TV. Now, I mean, Well, less so um, Louisville, but you, you know what I mean. The thing is, you don't go magically win a, t- a game at number 14. You have to, you know, experience what that's like first. I think that was Florida State. It was like, oh, this is us in the big stage. We're not, and like, as you said, they're not quite ready for that yet. They are... On the And the score is indicative they are on the cusp of being there, but not quite there yet.
0: I, you know, I understand folks that will cling to the preseason expectations of, hey, just six or seven wins and this would have been a great season. And I, I still believe that is true. But what I'll say about that game, you know, your your expectations are allowed to change your 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 take on things can change. And I think in that game, what you saw was Florida state looked to be a better team in the first half. They're up 17 three. Then your all-star all world quarterback for NC state goes down with an injury and the quarterback they had for a quarter and a half, the rest of the way attempted one pass. And so for them to blow it the way that they did, I felt like that was a a step back for the program just because you need to win those kind of games. This again, preseason. You may have thought, "Hey, if this is single digits, like that'd be great." But in that game, in that moment, is a game they should have won, and and that's why you know I certainly think it's worth being critical. That there, there certainly is like it's interesting. This team, you could argue they should be five and one. But you could also argue that they should be, you know, a three-win team or even a two-win team. So this is what happens in those coin flip games when you play good teams. When you're playing as sloppy as this team can at times, you're going to lose to good teams. You're going to lose to teams on the road. It happens. Uh, so again, next step for the program is, is you know, being ready for those moments.
2: And this point, we kind of transition us to the you know talking about Clemson a little bit, is um you know what is Mike Norvell stressed all year about turnovers? They got to win the turnover battle. They got to win the turnover battle um, against Wake Forest. They turned the ball over once, did not um, did not force any turnovers. Last week they forced the turnover, but they turned the ball over themselves twice. So in the past two weeks they've lost three to one, um, and this is um you know moving on to the Clemson game now. Is um, a point I brought up um, and um, in my opponent preview is a key to the game is Florida State has to start forcing turnovers. They have to, like you know, they I think they forced four fumbles all year, and believe let me pull this up, or they forced two fumbles all year, and they've recovered um, and they've had four interceptions. So at some point, the defense has to make a play against a team like Clemson, a team like Wake Forest, a team like. NC State, you got to put your team in short fields. um, The special teams has done a better job of late, but that's one aspect of the game. You know, the defense is yes, they were doing um, you know a little better um, with points, not giving up touchdowns. But at some point, a turnover is helpful as well.
0: Yeah, and I think a, a a guy who seemed prime to get a lot of turnovers this year is Jamie Robinson. And up until the NC State game, hadn't had one, and then he got that pick. Uh, maybe he should have dropped it, you know, in, the, in that situation. But uh, no, I, I think he's someone you'd like to see get going a little bit more. And when we talked to Adam Fuller uh, on Monday, you know, kind of sounded like, hey, we're, we're going to use this guy as kind of a team player. C- kind of like, hey, we're, we're he's going to be in certain situations where he may not be put in a, in a position to get that turnover. If it means it helps the defense more. And And I don't know if I quite agreed with that. He was talking about how, hey, you know, the ball will eventually come to you. Um, I don't know. I I think Jamie Robinson, when you got a guy like that, you got to put him in those situations where you can get those turnovers and and he can be in more positions to make those plays. Because it hasn't seemed like this year he's been in a ton of positions to to get that uh, kind of, you know, have that impact. But um, as far as this overall Clemson game – uh, you, you brought up the turnovers. W- what else kind of stands out to you, Essen? Just, just about kind of overview of the storylines and kind of what it means number four team in the nation coming to Doe Campbell Stadium?
2: I mean, I think we've talked, you know, we've gonna talk about DJ and, you know, how he's done. He's improved as um, much improved as a passer. But the thing I've, I'm doing the research for my article is he's actually improved as a runner this year as well. And part of that could be attributed to, you know, he, tore, um, I don't want that tour, but, um, uh, he springed his MCL last year, um, against Louisville and was not the same that that was like in November. So, you know, there's a few games after that. So he is already, um, he's run for 311 yards this year. His career high before that was 308. So, and he's averaging about 4.8 yards, 4.6 yards, I think a per carry last year is at 2.9. So he is someone that, and we've seen Florida State against, you know, Cunningham against, um, Daniels is they could struggle a little bit against the running quarterback, so that could be interesting right there, um, because the past, the past defense has been hit or miss a lot of times. They could do well, they could, you know, but um, it is, it is, um, that is something that's a concern for me. Obviously, then you have the running backs against the uh, defensive line, offensive line against defensive line. There's a lot of interesting matchups that I just feel that Clemson has a pretty good advantage. I don't know about how you feel about that.
0: Yeah, the thing about DJ, you hit it, right? We've seen what Daniels did. We saw what Cunningham did. He's also improved as a passer. I mean, last year, 107 and, and passing efficiency this year, he's up to 43. He's already played the best two teams on his schedule in at, at NC, at, at NC State and Wake Forest. You could argue Notre Dame uh, might be uh, you know top three, top four as well on their schedule. They, they play them later. But um, you know, they started 6-0, and and, you know, I think back to the, the Georgia Tech game, and this is something Eric McClain mentioned. It was another, ooh, I, I don't know about this guy. And ever since then, he's, he's really come on. And, and, you know, like I said, said with Eric, I thought Cade Klubnik might be the starter in this game coming into the year. Not only has DJ proved that to be way wrong, but he has earned, you know, uh, kind of a, a just recognition in, in all respects. Running, passing. Uh, I know losing the 30 pounds also helped him uh, this offseason. But Clemson's a team now where you look around the country and you see a couple of the big powers have some down years. And you think this is probably a year they go back to the playoff. It, you know the ACC. They've they've already beaten NC State, Wake. The Coastal is an absolute mess. Um, so it, it's it is possible, but FSU could definitely be their biggest challenge left. And uh, the fact that FSU I, I don't know if you were surprised by this. And they're they're only a three and a half point dog against Clemson. It, did that surprise you at all?
2: Actually, that's um, I hadn't seen the line before. That's kind of surprising, especially. Um, a little off topic, but Tennessee was a seven point underdog against Alabama, but that's a you know different point, you know. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of surprising to me, but because I would have said Clemson should be on the seven point favorite, but I guess the home factor and um, but I think we should talk about you know Clemson's getting a couple players back this week. Um,
0: yep, yep they're they're bringing back their whole defensive line is what Dabo Sweeney said uh, on his call in show Monday. Ryan Brazee, been out the last couple weeks. Xavier Thomas was out the the first five games with a a foot injury. Comes back last game against Boston College, plays six snaps, and he gets two sacks, four pressures, and a forced fumble. Now, Boston College's offensive line, not very good, but in six snaps and you're limited, you're you're having that kind of production, Uh, that's certainly uh, 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 scary. And so Clemson's D-line, they're number two in the country against the run. They're number one in the country as far as running plays of twenty plus yards allowed. They've only allowed one all season. And you look at the other side of the ball for FSU, and Trayshawn Ward may not play. Uh, so, going to be interesting. But as and you look at this matchup. You know, we talk about the D line. Talk about Trayshawn Ward went down with what looked to be an, a, a you know looked to be a, a collarbone injury. Uh, Mike Norvell told us uh, Tuesday that pr- he's not going to need surgery, so that, that seems to be pretty encouraging news. But let's look at what FSU does if Ward plays and what they do if he doesn't play. What are you, you kind of thinking, maybe the strategy, and what the game will kind of look like?
2: So, I mean, um, we talked about this earlier. Um, I do think, you know, because it's hard to determine what's it's going to be between Benson and uh, Tophili who's going to take over the backfield. To so Philly, is like we talked about the more of the receiving back that is not going to run up the middle as much. Benson is the powerful runner that can go up the middle but also make you miss tackles and catch a ball in the backfield. But we've talked about that Benson does not look comfortable doing that yet, running up the middle, which is why Ward had, you know, um, I don't want to say double the carries, but he, seventy I think he was around 74 carries. And Benson's in the 40s. So there's a reason, you know, why Ward was leaned on. So I think it might be a hot end approach is like, you know, who gets hot. And that is the way we could see the freshman a little bit more. If Rodney Hill comes in and breaks off a 10 yard run, then breaks off a five yard run and is a more consistent runner. That is one way we see the freshman more, you know, the ball security is an issue against the older, uh, against a talented defensive line. But I think it's been a hot end approach of, you know, who's going to, whoever gets hot events and um, um, Totally, both struggle. I I can see there's a way of Rodney Hill getting in the game, and it will start off as a carrier too. And if he does well, it could turn into more. Same with Ja'Kai Douglas, but I think he'd be more in a limited snap count. But I think we talked about this earlier as well. It might be a game where Travis throws the ball 40 times.
0: Yeah, I. Uh, you know, it's worth mentioning. FSU doesn't let us uh, or anybody in the in in the local media. Report on injuries. We we can't talk. We we can't say, oh, TreShaun Ward practice day. Like we can't talk about that. Um, I know we get questions about that sometimes, um, and and we can if Norvell tells us. Like today, he told us, hey, Ja'Kai Douglas is back. He practiced today. Uh, he's he's available to play Saturday, uh, but but whether Ward will play. Uh, we'll see. Now what's interesting is you look at some of the gambling sites that do player props. Look, was just looking at prize picks and nor- normally the only running back they ever have for player props is Ward. Well, this week they only have Benson there. So that may tell you that they, they know something, but, um, so yeah, it was Trey Benson. I believe it was 42 and a half rushing yards. Um, you, you mentioned who they lean on. Um, I was honestly a little surprised how many Rodney Hill questions we had at the, the, the press conference today, um, and even Ja'Kai Douglas. I I think those are two guys that if if they had more than a combined five to seven touches against Clemson, I'd be a little surprised. I think it's going to be Benson primarily, Toa Feely as, as the complementary change of pace back, You add in a couple of those other guys, and then potentially, like we said, not only Travis throwing a little bit more, but also running a little bit more. We saw it last week. He started to run a little bit more. He had a lot of success with it. He no longer is wearing the the knee brace around his his left knee, and he's more and more comfortable with running the ball. So maybe this is a game where – and this happens against good defensive lines. When you face a great defensive line, you've got to be a little creative with you know jet sweeps and running the quarterback. This could be a game he gets up to you know 15 carries, and maybe none of the other guys get above 12. So that, that's kind of how I'm thinking the game will go uh, if they don't have Ward, um, but yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit of a guessing game.
2: Yeah, I mean, let me um, clarify. I don't think Rodney Hill's getting more than four or five carries at most. You know, yeah. I'm saying if the one chance he has is if he ha- if he has a, you know a hot start, and Norvell's not going to take Norvell's not going to keep the hot hand off the field. Is, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I don't anticipate that happening because this is a very talented Clemson line. I think more likely, like you mentioned Travis is going to have a few runs. Um, I would not be surprised to see some screens of Michael Pittman. Yep. Let him get involved on the in the um, um, in the screen game. Um, a couple jet sweeps because. You get Mike Pittman in the open field, that's dangerous, you know? That's We've talked about it. That's one of the best players, and that might be the same way they get Douglas in the game. I think Douglas' snaps are going to be more meaningful. He's, if he plays 15 snaps, on half of those he's touching the ball.
0: Right, yeah, it could be Darian Williamson-y, where it's almost like, hey, you're getting eight plays, but they're specifically schemed toward you. You know, a jet yeah. sweep, or, oh, you're, you're, you line up as a running back, Maybe you're in a two-back set and you you motion to the slot. You know, something creative, I could see that happening. Because this is his first game of the year. He doesn't probably have the stamina to withstand, oh, I'm getting 40 snaps this game. There's just no way. Um, That's not how football kind of works. So I'm thinking that he gets a limited thing. Ronnie Hill, true freshman. You know, it's not a guy you want to put in a spot where he's having to pass protect – and, and, and having to you know, catch Xavier Thomas off the edge. Um, Trey Benson, I think, is the guy you lean on just because he's the most talented guy in the group. The problem with him is um, he has been a little bit hesitant at times, I feel like. Um, and you look, at the, you look at just this running back group against the best defensive lines they've faced this year. NC State, LSU, those are the best D lines they've faced Joe and Benson combined for 71 rushing yards on 26 carries. Not not a lot of great, you know, uh, yard per carry uh, number there. So it c- kind of um, interested to see not just if, if they can kind of break through, if there will be a hot hand, but also will FSU trust them enough or will they be airing it out and leaning on Travis's legs a little bit more?
2: And I think you mentioned, you know um – Philly had a long run of like 10, 12 yards against NC State. Benson broke out for a twenty-six yard run, I believe it was. Yep. Yep. So, and that's where most of the yards against NC State came. And that's something that um, um, Atkins pointed out is like, yes, our running backs need to be—you know—they get the home runs, but they got to be more consistent in getting yards. Yeah. And that's what TreShaun Ward was. TreShaun Ward, you know, would have a few big runs, but he was at he was the um, at six point eight yards per carry because he was more consistent getting more yardage. Um, Benson mm-hmm. as he started facing more t- um, tough competition has gone down to like he was at 12 at one point to now 6.4 so
0: yeah yeah I, what i love about Ward is and he, yeah you mentioned he leads the ACC in yards per carry he is exceptional at patience and waiting for blocks to set up in front of him very shifty guy as well and that helps him but w- what he does is he waits for the hole to, to you know to open whereas i feel like the other two guys They still have a little bit of room to grow in that way in in terms of vision and patience. Trey Benson's got all the skills. He's got the size. He's got the breakaway speed, the elusiveness. He breaks tackles like crazy. It's just about, you know, being more of of a – having a better feel for the game, kind of what I think. But you said it. Maybe it is a hot-hand approach if – Benson struggles, and Lawrence Tilfeely is is really performing well. Maybe you lean on him a little bit more.
2: Yeah, because it's not just about breaking off the big runs. Yes, those are big important against Clemson, but you got to get three yards, you know, four yards on first down, three, four yards if you're running on second down. Because if you put um, um, Travis uh, behind that offensive line against that defensive line on third and seven, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten behind the chains and all, you are in trouble. It's going to be a long day.
0: Yeah every third down to the last drive in the second half. In the second half, every third down to the last drive was third and 7 or longer. They were really behind the chains. No no third and manageables. Um but and before we get to predictions, I want to talk about Jordan Travis here. Um, you know that this is going to need to be a bounce back game for him. Last week he had the two interceptions. Fifty percent completion. Um, don't think it was all on him. I, th- I think the receivers kind of let him down. And I know Mike Norvell said that he counted five drops, but
2: PFF had three.
0: Yeah, PFF yeah. had three. And um, but you look at the the passing efficiency, probably the most reliable stat. It was the second worst of his career out of the nineteen career starts he's made. So certainly in need of a bounce back game. You look at Clemson and. Their secondary struggled against Wake Forest, um, so I do think there are some things that FSU can take in the passing game. Essen, uh, I, I know we, we you know we've we've talked a little bit with Mike Norvell and Alex Atkins about Jordan Travis this week, but what do you think are kind of the keys for him in this game?
2: I think he's got to you know talk a Tate a little bit and throw some fifty fifty balls to Michael Pittman. I mean not <laughs> Michael Pittman um, to Johnny Wilson. Like we saw against, um, you know, that Tate did against. Yeah, no,
0: more, um, no more 50-50 to Micah.
2: <laughs> no more 50 to Micah. we see how that's turned out. Um, some 50-50 balls to Johnny Wilson. Some to Podier. Get him in the game a little bit more. He hasn't been as involved. And he won that 50-50 ball against, you know, um, Duquesne back, you know. But throw some 50-50 balls because that's that's where Wake really tormented um, Clemson. Yep. Is On those one-on-one 50-50 balls, if you get that matchup, Take advantage of it Johnny Wilson yes he dropped a couple balls but as we saw in practice today he was more determined than we've seen him in a lot you know he was he was locked in and he's ready to go so I want to see some 50 50 balls to Johnny Wilson
0: and that's my biggest thing is would you rather jump would you rather run into a brick wall or would you rather throw it to your six seven dude like that's my thing this game I, I, you you got to try to run the ball a little bit, but I think you'd just you you'd be creative with jet sweeps, quarterback runs, but you throw the ball more than you have. They have been running the ball a little too conservatively on early downs. I'd like to see them get more aggressive, and like you said, target Johnny Wilson, man. I mean, I don't like when you go three straight drives and you haven't targeted targeted him once. You got to get the ball in his hands. You gotta put him in a position to succeed as well. Think back to the last play against NC State. Why isn't he the guy getting that opportunity? Um, this is someone who, like, I don't think anyone would be surprised if he had a great NFL career. But if if you look and and he's got 800 yards at at FSU, like, in 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 a season, you'll think, man, they they didn't get the most out of him. And right now, he's kind of on pace for about 800, 850 yards, this should be a 1,000-yard receiver. This should be a guy who's getting 10-plus targets every game. Um, and it's it's not like he's a one-trick pony. It's not like he's – all you can do is fade him up. He can be your security blanket down the middle. He's someone that can make contested passes, contested catches. And, yeah, he's struggled with drops, but he can make contested plays. Target your guy.
2: Yeah, I think, um, like you mentioned, you know, target your guy, get him involved. Don't unutilize him. Um, don't be don't become a trending topic like Dan Mullen was on Sunday when everyone was watching Damian Pierce run the ball yeah. because how misused he was, you know. Um, you yep. gotta make sure, you know, that Johnny Wilson is a weapon. Six like you mentioned, six seven. Who can he can out and he can jump, Like, you know, he doesn't have to jump very high to get to much, but he can now jump about you know the defender has to jump to get to his height.
0: Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, so it. Let's get to predictions now. Um, I, I again three and a half point dog for Florida State seems a little off to me, especially if you are losing your starting running back and they're getting their whole D line intact. But SN, what where are you thinking score wise?
2: Yeah, so I don't. I mean, I think it's me. Um, Fl- Florida State keeps it close. Clemson pulls away
0: late, 31-17. 31-17. I was pretty close to picking that um I ended up going with 3420 uh Clemson <laughs> uh just because I-, I think it's gonna be hard to run the ball against Clemson Jordan Travis I I still think he's a, a pretty good quarterback uh, in college football, but right now he- he's going through it a little bit and I wonder, will he throw a pick or two? I don't know, and then I, I just think. FSU's defense is a little too spotty. They, they have some really good moments. They'll have a half where you say, "Man, they're getting it together," and then they'll have a half where they give up a ton of yards, ton of points. And so, against an offense that is playing the best it has in a while, I think Clemson will make enough plays at the end of the day.
2: And I'll give my uh, weekly prediction because I was almost right last week. Yeah, <laughs> um, Jared Verse will um, have a strip fumble.
0: Okay. On DJ? Uh,
2: was
0: that? On DJ, right?
2: On DJ. Strip fumble. I can um, – I am not gonna go ahead I, – I want to predict – I'll go ahead and predict it. Yeah, he's going to score a touchdown. A strip fumble, touchdown.
0: Oh, wow. All right. Well, you almost went three for three. And almost every week I've been like, are you sure? So I'm not doubting you anymore. If Fitzgerald had to hit a field goal at the end of the game, like I – seriously, I don't know. I, I would have never spoken to you again because I'd be scared of you. I, I just be get longer like, numbers today. So. Yeah, you, you'd predict like all, all the, the, the crazy things. So, yeah, yeah. That, was, that was wild. But um, anyway, as far as uh, stories this week, what, what you got cooking, Essen?
2: Yeah, so um, we're speaking on Tuesday. Um just published an article on um, Florida, Florida State men's basketball is at the ACC tip-off. Tomorrow they have their press conference. So they did a story on um, Matthew Cleveland and um, his love of Taylor Swift. Well, that's not the whole story, but, you know, check out the rest. <laughs> it's about his pregame routine, and he
0: mentioned Taylor Swift, so as the resident Swifty, I had to, you know, take advantage. <laughs> Swifty. Um, Swifty. I, I love it, man. I love it. I mean, who's not a Swifty? Man, that's, that, that's, a that's my thing. Um, and when a tough athlete is like, oh, yeah, I love Taylor Swift, it's like, oh, I really respect you now, because a lot mm-hmm. of athletes are like, no, I listen to my rap music, or I – you know, I listen to rock, whatever. No, no. He, he loves Swift. Yeah. Yeah. The offensive lineman country. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so um, and then um Duke, um, FSU, number fourteen against number four on Thursday. Um, we'll have a Christina Roque feature. Um, you know, and she's been phenomenal, you know, just her numbers are ridiculous, you know, for what she's done. Let me pull that up quick, you know. She hasn't lost a game as a starter at FSU. Think about nuts. that. It's nuts. we seasons.
0: Absolutely nuts. Um,
2: so, just ridiculous. You know, she was the co defense player of the week this week. Had a career night, career high ten saves against um, Virginia. Huge win against number two Virginia. You know. Yep. So, just thir- um, her record is thirty-two and zero and eight in forty starts at FSU. Just think about that. Forty starts, you have not lost.
0: Unbelievable. <laughs> Well, uh, as far as what I'm working on this week, um, kind of doing a big picture angle of comparing FSU and Clemson. You know, one program all in their transfer portal, U, and the other is transfer portal who? Like, like they don't. <laughs> I just made that up on the spot. By the way, I, I'm, oh, I'm fantastic. That I'm excited. On. I'm very excited to use that. Um, I mean, that in your head, that's got to be in your headline, I think. That probably has to be. Um, but yeah, doing that. And I won't spoil what it is just yet. But Saturday, Clemson game. I got some special plans cooking for y'all. Um, that story will be out Sunday. But um, definitely we got going Jack
2: back in the press box this week, too. What'd you say? We got Jack Williams back in the press box this week as well. He helped up with yep. the. Um, um, Wake Forest game was a great asset, so glad to have him back in the press box this week.
0: Absolutely, so yeah, you can follow our coverage this Saturday. We'll have Jack in the press box. We'll have Essen. I'll be doing a, a random thing. Y'all will know about it on Sunday. Really excited about it. Uh, you know, follow our coverage. We, we, we really appreciate you guys for listening. Um, make sure to you know leave a like, leave a review for us. Um, And also follow our coverage at Tallahassee.com. You can follow our Twitter at at Knoll Sports. Uh, We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. Uh, So with that, uh, we really appreciate you guys listening.